and Answers begins right now. For nearly 250 years, America has been a blessed nation. However, today America stands at a critical crossroads in her history. On the news, you hear legislatures, cultural scholars, and historians speaking of the decline of America with great frequency and urgency than ever before. Will we be the generation who sees the demise of America? What will it take to keep America great and a nation that God will bless? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In our broadcast today, Pat presents principles from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 that will explain what it will take for America to remain strong and a nation God can bless. Now, let's begin with part one. Here's our host, Pat. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And it's a happy uh, July 4th weekend here. And as we celebrate our 247th, man, almost 250 years and almost quarter of a millennia birthday, as a nation, we can sit and reflect on how wonderfully God has blessed America. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray you would speak to us powerfully from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as our country celebrates her 247th birthday, we can realize how blessed the United States is. No nation has risen so quickly to power and has been as prosperous and an influence around the world as the United States. However, it doesn't take long to see if you're watching and reading the paper and watching events around you that America stands at a very critical crossroads today in our nation's history. On the news, we hear legislatures cultural scholars, historians speaking of the decline of America with greater frequency and urgency than ever in my lifetime. I'm hearing about the decline of America more than I've ever heard. Will we be the generation or will it be our children that sees the demise of America? We know from history and we know from the Bible, nations rise to power and nations fall. No leading power stands forever. And what will it take to keep America great and a nation that God will bless? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. The main problem is not economic or political or social. These are symptoms of the ultimate cause. The problem is ultimately spiritual. When we are right with God, the economic, social, political solutions then will follow. Now, America is headed down a wrong and destructive path pretty quickly right now. Can we get our nation back on the right track? Well, in the passage we're studying this morning, it teaches us how. Many times the nation of Israel found herself going down the wrong track, and she was able to correct the course of her history by applying what we learn today in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Now, the chapter opens with a warning to God's people. Solomon, they have just built a beautiful temple and dedicated it to the Lord there in Jerusalem. And the glory of God, it says, came down and filled the temple. And the people were in awe as fire rushed down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice 
and the majestic glory of God came and settled down on the temple. And seven days after completion of the ceremony, God came and he spoke to Solomon and he gave Solomon, as he has done to all the leaders of Israel, he gave them a, a warning. God affirmed the covenant with his people that he had chosen the temple as the place where the holy sacrifice would be made to pay for the price of the sin of the people. But God also knew the people are fallen and sinful. And there would be a time that the people would prosper because of God's blessing. But because we are sinful people, they would forget God, his commands and the principles that made that nation great. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and other passages in the Old Testament warn the nation of Israel that when they become prosperous, says, then in your heart you will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. The greatness and prosperity of the nation of Israel was directly connected to her spiritual life. When she honored God and lived by God's commands, then she prospered. But when she turned away from God, rejected the law of God, and the way we as individuals are created and designed to live, and the way a healthy society God has structured the way we are to live. When we go against that design, we start embracing a lifestyle that we are not designed to live according to. And when they rejected God and his law, they rejected the truth. They quickly embraced false ideas, fell into immorality and idolatry, and the nation collapsed from within. History shows us power nations are not conquered. They collapse from within. And that's the pattern we see throughout history. When a nation lives righteously according to God's law, you get a good moral nation obeying the laws of God. There's order, there's justice, there's righteousness, there's peace, and the nation flourishes. When a nation turns away from God, then you turn away from the source of truth, the, source, the moral law code of God, and then you have a perversion in your view of reality spirituality and morality and your view becomes twisted and corrupted and as a result the nation unravels and commits her own suicide and God warned Solomon and the nation that this is the natural course of nations and people when they prosper they forget God and his commands and that's a warning to us the lessons for Israel apply to every nation today especially the United States. You know, you look at our ideas and our heritage, our Christian heritage and biblical foundation is undeniable. And very concerned today that America is turning away from God and the principles that made her great. The formula of America's success is real simple. And we see it in our monuments and in the writing of our founding fathers all over the place. Our birth certificate that we are celebrating the Declaration of Independence. You know, I never read it until I got to graduate school. If you read it, our founding fathers in our declaration, our birth certificate stated that we have a just cause in going against England and that our rights come from God. And they continually appealed to nature's God, right? They said, 
we are fighting tyranny and injustice. Based on what? Because we don't like it? No. Is it because the laws come from God? All right. You look at the most famous part of our declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident. They don't need explanation. Okay. We know these innately. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our founding fathers were saying this, the ability to live, freedom, all come not from man, it comes from God. That's repeated many times throughout the Declaration of Independence. Os Guinness explains this well in many of his books, uh, but our founding fathers understood freedom's triangle. In order to have freedom, you must have a virtuous and good people who can govern themselves. If they cannot, then government has to take care of every aspect of your life. Okay, and government grows and people are taxed and on and on and on. But you need a virtuous people who can govern themselves. In order to have a virtuous people, you need to understand there is a universal moral law that we all agree upon and we all abide by. It's like a football game. You can't have 30 guys out there following different playbooks of what the rules are. That's not football. That's chaos. They all have to say, this is the rule book. These are the rules. Okay? This is what we go by. You can't have a universal moral law that governs all men without a moral lawgiver. All right? So faith is absolutely essential. Faith, virtue, freedom is freedom's triangle. Take away one of those corners and freedom falls. Our founding fathers understood that. A leading scholar from the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences came and he studied the United States. This group of scholars, of sociologists and scholars came from China to study what is it that makes America the great and powerful nation that she is. And they wrote there in 2002, they concluded after all their years of study, they concluded it is not in our military might, nor our political system, nor our economic system. The leading scholar stated that it was the Christian moral foundation that made possible the emergence of free market trade and democracy. America has been blessed because we have always been a nation that has honored God and the law of God. Well, should God keep blessing America? I'm disturbed by what I am witnessing in our nation today, like never before in my lifetime. We have a nation redefining the definition of biblical marriage. Marriage is not an institute, it's the oldest institution created not by man, it's created by God. No nation has ever survived that has redefined marriage. And you can see what's going on in Europe, they're paying the price for what's going on there, and it's coming here to the U.S. So the redefining of marriage is an attack on God's institution. This whole transgender ideology, it's a very dangerous, very destructive ideology for the individual and the culture as well, but it's an attack on the very image of God. So redefining of marriage is an attack on God's institution, this whole transgender ideology is an attack on the very image of God. Listen to my uh, podcast on love thy body. Okay? Christians are the most pro-body people around. God has created our body and designed it. And when you live 
in a way that your body is not created and designed for, it's very dangerous and destructive. One third of our babies are born out of wedlock and 75% end up on welfare. That's a tremendous cost uh, for us economically. Not only that, socially and morally as well. We're at the center of hardcore pornography, which we import throughout the world, which is destructive, highly destructive to marriages. I've spoken on that several. Listen to our podcast on pornography. Recently, we saw the gay pride flag took center prominence even over the American flag flying at our nation's capital right on our doorstep. Never seen that before when we take an obviously sinful lifestyle and we exalt it even higher than our American flag. Dangerous and destructive ideologies and lifestyles are promoted by our nation's leaders, media, and schools. And as the culture turns from God, the tension between the culture around us and Christ and his church is going to continue to grow. Okay, as the divide continues to get wider, let me tell you, Christianity will be viewed as radical and dangerous. And we already are seeing that. Christians and churches that want to stick to the Bible and preach what the Bible says are going to be viewed as radical and dangerous organizations. And so the tension is only going to grow. So every believer in Christ, And churches must be prepared to take their stand because you will face criticism and even persecution from the culture around us. You know, my home churches are saying, man, we're glad we're seeing you here more on Sundays. Why is that? And he was saying, well, because I keep getting kicked out of churches. You know, why? Well, because they're not tolerating biblical teaching anymore. More and more churches are skirting the tough passages Don't want to preach those tough books. Don't want to be, quote, controversial, giving in to the ideas of the culture, refusing to take their stand when more than ever, they need to be the beacon of salt and light and righteousness in a culture going the wrong way. Can America be a nation that God will bless or is her decline inevitable? Well, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 reveals the heart of the book of Chronicles and is actually the summary, the basic message of the Old Testament here. 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The fate of a nation begins with the people of God. It begins with God and his people. Too often we think, man, if we can get those unbelievers in shape, man, if we can get those politicians in shape, we could turn this country around. Second Chronicles 7.14 calls on God's people, not the unbelievers to respond first, calls on God's people to respond first. God's people here refers to the nation of Israel, and they remain the people of God and his chosen nation until Christ returns. However, there's implications for us today, the church, because in this age, we are God's people. Not that we replace Israel, but we enter God's family through Christ. And the church now, God has commissioned 
to be the light carrying God's message and presence to the world. So it is the people of God who know God, who know his commands, know what is required. We are the ones who are called to action. When God's people adopt the values and lifestyle of the culture, they're not the light for the culture to follow. However, when God's people commit their heart, soul, mind, and strength to following God, that's the beginning of that great spiritual awakening. When believers in Christ once again take up that call to discipleship seriously, they learn once again what it means to die to self, take up your cross and follow Christ. That's when revival begins. Great movements don't start with the unbelievers. They start with God's people getting right and getting serious about their walk with God. So the fate of our nation rests in God and his people, not the unbelieving world. Revival starts in the hearts of God's people and then spreads to the rest of the nation, even to the unbelieving world. And history shows us that actions of a few can bring healing to an entire nation. Don't think, oh, Kaneohe Congregational Church, a small church in Kaneohe, what can we do? God doesn't need much to do something great. He can use this church in very powerful ways. Alexis de Tocqueville, French social philosopher, came and he studied America and he wrote a great book, Democracy in America. And in one section, he wrote this. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic Congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Then he writes, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Can we say that about our nation and our churches today? I'm concerned watching denominations and Christian organizations capitulating to the false ideas of the culture. We see churches and Christian organizations going woke, ordaining individuals and priests who openly live sinful lifestyles contrary to God's word. You know, we recently had our preparing for college conference uh, at a church in Kahala and uh, it was under some duress that we had that conference because the woman who brought us in emailed and advertised it to the denomination they belonged to and said, hey, we got this great conference preparing our kids for college, helping them keep their faith throughout college. In fact, strengthening faith as they're going through college, not abandoning their faith as 70 to 80 percent of our Christian students do when they go to college. And she was wondering why the denomination wasn't promoting it. And she got a notice back from the denomination saying, as we celebrate Pride Month, as we are highlighting our gay and trans clergy people, we do not approve of this speaker or his organization or this conference. And so it was under some that we were just sitting there wondering, oh, okay, you know, who's showing up here? You know, it was great. We had over 50 
young people and their leaders coming, learning how to prepare for college. And I told that church, I said, keep being a light in this denomination. I know it's tough, all right? Uh, but keep being a light in an entire denomination that has bought into the ideas of the culture and completely gone apostate. And so our application is this. There must continue to be strong Bible teaching from our pulpits. We cannot censor the preaching of the entire Word of God. Our Christian leaders must be willing to speak on issues of sin and bring people to maturity and faith in Christ, the entire counsel of God's Word. We, all of us as believers in Christ, must once again seriously take up the call to discipleship, to bear our cross, lay down our life, and follow Him. When Christians are strong, when Christian families are strong, when the churches are strong, you have a strong nation. So it's God's people who are to respond. And how are we to respond? Well, they tell us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Four things he calls us to do. Humble ourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from sin. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, you know, our sin nature is prone to pride. We don't like humbling ourselves under anyone's authority. We want to do our own thing. And nations and individuals, we have more difficulty dealing with prosperity than when we are in need because we tend to forget God. And here, humble means to bow the knee. It's a sign that one will submit oneself to God and his message. We surrender our desires and our goals to do God's will first. And when kings and nations humbled themselves before God, he forgave. But when they stood proud against him, that nation came under God's judgment. So our problems are not just economic or social or education, but spiritual and require God's help. Humbling is an attitude that confesses our problems are way beyond our capability, and we come depending upon you. 1 Peter 5.5 states that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we become nothing, He can become everything. But if we are a proud and haughty people who believe our success is due to our genius, because we are Americans, then we're doomed. Prayer is the manifestation of a humble heart. E.M. Bounds, the great scholar, said, humility is an indispensable requisite of prayer. It must be an attribute or characteristic of prayer. Humility must be in the praying character as light is in the sun. Prayer has no beginning, no ending, no being without humility. As the ship is made for the sea, so prayer is made for humility, and so humility is made prayer. It's in prayer we're asking God to do what we cannot do in our own strength. James 5 says, the prayer of the righteous is mighty and powerful and effective. It's the righteous who humbly come before God and call upon God to intervene. And he says, seek my face. The Hebrew word for seek here, bakash, this means to search for with great diligence, to earnestly seek and go after. Okay? It's like 
you know, when I lose my golf ball on the golf course there, and it's a close, tight match. I don't care if the bushes have poison ivy, you know, I'm jumping in there looking for it. And to seek his face means to study, search, learn about God's will and God's character. And when a believer seeks earnestly after God, God will make his will and his character known to that person. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and to equip you in your faith to always be ready to give a response. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, contact Pat by calling him in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. An additional location to find Pat's messages is on YouTube. Look up Evidence and Answers and hit the subscribe button. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucker. Faith in Christ.